0: Love Talk Radio. Okay, listeners, we have our next guest on board here. Uh, he is an, a, a multi-award winning uh, film director of so many different projects, and his latest film I am so excited to talk to him about is... Jose Feliciano behind this guitar, and I'm speaking, of course, with uh, the one and only, the one and only Frank Lacari. So, good morning or good afternoon, I should say, in your time. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, thank you
1: so much. The one and only. Wow, that's a that's a big uh, that's a big title. Thank you for that.
0: Well, you are more <laughs> than deserving for it. You, your work speaks for itself here. In- I appreciate it. Including, as I said, the, your current uh, Jose Feliciano behind this guitar. I understand that this film will be one of the opening films for the upcoming San Francisco Latina film Fest, Latino, I should say, film festival, which is starts next month. So, okay, let's roll it back here. How did you get involved uh, with this? a project, I understand that Gloria and Emilio Estefan are two of the executive producers. So how did you get involved? Yeah, so interestingly enough, I have a,
1: a weird history with Jose. So I actually was his uh, producer and director and backup singer for his 2012-2013 world tour that we did. And I got to know him very well obviously during that time and it was around that time probably about a year in where I said to him You know somebody really needs to make a movie on your life because it's just unbelievably fascinating and everything he's achieved and And so we kind of laughed it off and I said, you know, we're going to do a Broadway show. We're going to do a movie We're going to do this and uh, well here. We you know here. We were six or seven years later um, I partnered up with a friend of mine uh, named Helen Murphy, and she was also working with uh, Jose's wife on a book and we kind of just said, you know, it might be time to make this movie, and uh, and there we were. So we, uh, we got to do it, and it, it's been a, just a, a pleasure. Uh, as you saw from the film, he's got such a storied career that it was just uh, fun unraveling and unwrapping everything and, you know, putting it all together.
0: Now, the film is doing uh, well, I understand, on the film festival circuit. Are there plans to um, stream it on television for others or what?
1: Yeah, we just got it. We just sold it. Uh, Peacock uh, Network will, and Telemundo both will be uh, streaming it uh, at the end of this month. So it, it's officially released on the 29th of September. And uh, yeah, everybody will be able to see it on, on those two networks. So obviously the... The Latino crowd, which uh, is huge, I think there's about 60 million people there in Telemundo. <laughs> watchers. Uh, so that's uh, part of that their T-Plus platform that they're putting on Peacock. And then Peacock also brought it onto the main platform. So they're actually going to do it uh, in conjunction with the release of the World Cup, which is going to be shown exclusively in terms of a Latino uh, uh, crowd. It will be exclusively on that Telemundo T-Plus platform. So they're going to mm-hmm. be launching it simultaneously with that and with Hispanic Heritage Month and so it's a, it's a really, it's a great synergy between the, the streamer and the
0: film. Oh, my goodness. Uh, with all that audience combined, I mean, it, it, possibly 200 million-plus people will be able to see this film. Isn't that crazy? Yes. I know. Yes. I know. Well, Frank, I saw the film last night. Oh, my goodness. If, if there were parts of it, that maybe. Want to cry and laugh and anger, um, just so many emotions. You you guys did a wonderful job uh, with the film. And I always like to ask people, especially when if it's a book or a film or or such, and if the family members or the person is is still alive, what was it like to show the finished product to the Feliciano family? Were you nervous? You guys sure. were nervous or what?
1: Well, like I said, I have a very unique relationship with them because I had sort of friends with them for, you know, over over almost 11 years. And Jose and I, because I I was the one interviewing him, obviously, in the film, we have a a friendship that I think helped the quality of the interview and and sort of what I was able to get out of him because of the comfort level and the trust level that we had together. So a lot of the things that you're saying – that made you either cry or angry. You know, those are things that that come out of the interview where maybe another interview is not able to get that from a, from an artist because either they're guarded or whatever, but between the fact that we have that relationship and also the fact that they were involved in the making of the film, there was a lot of trust there between us and we were able to get to those story points that maybe you wouldn't have not necessarily gotten to you know you can make a documentary and make it very superficial um, right and just hit the bullet points and hit the career points but I think with this one there's so much family involved and you know with the with marriage and the ex-marriage and the managing and all of the things that you, you hear in the doc um, I think came out of the fact that we have that type of relationship and they were very very happy with the film because you know they were sort of part of the journey uh, which I think is more personal for the artist you know they had a get a, a big hand in, in helping us make this film. So uh, to see the finished product, obviously, is, is the biggest uh, challenge for anybody because when you're an indie filmmaker, it's always a great idea. You know, there's, there's lofty dreams, but to actually be able to finish it and actually get it to market is a whole other, other thing. So they're very happy with it.
0: Now, even though you've known Jose for over 11 years and worked and traveled with him, Uh, As he began to tell his story and share his stories, were there any surprises to his life that you went, oh, I didn't know that, or what?
1: Oh, of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whenever you make something like a documentary, specifically, you think you know what you you want to make, but really the story isn't ever put together until you get to the editing room. And after those interviews, you see all of these things kind of come out that you're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know the story of Motown. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, I knew he had an album. That had been you know put out on Motown, but the fact that how it how it went down, and I won't reveal it for the for our listeners here but until they you know watch the film, but you know that story alone was a shocker to me and uh, and all the sort of ins and outs of the controversies of his career and what he had to overcome uh, on top of being blind since birth on top of being seen or, you know, viewed as an immigrant, even though Puerto Rico is part of the United mm-hmm. States, you know, all of those things um, you knew, but, you know, sort of a, the career points that came out of some of the interviews, um, you know, were, were, were a bit uh, surprising. And obviously for a filmmaker, that's the nugget, right? That's the gold that you want, something that the audience, even fans don't know. And that's, that's what we tried to put into this one.
0: Now, to further speak of the whole Motown, uh, I guess we could call it a situational situation, uh, we will reveal that that was one of the parts of the film that made me want to cry, how sure. that went down. I was yeah. very surprised, and my heart just sank. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: I, you know, there's,
1: there's quite a bit of that in, in his career. I think, you know, you can you can you've heard we've all heard the stories of artists being taken advantage of, yeah. artists being pushed aside and whatnot. Um, and you can imagine when you're someone that is with their full capacity and everything and have good management, they still get, you know, mistreated mm-hmm. by record labels or things like that. But in Jose's case, where you have an artist that is obviously uh, adherent and Needs to sort of rely on people in order to a sign a contract or b you know finish a a booking or a gig or whatever you know you're at the mercy of a lot of people and I, I believe because of that and and, and mismanagement uh, and the bias um, let's be honest uh, we won't call it we could call it racism I suppose uh, reverse racism in some cases even where you know you have a Latino artist where. That's, I think, the controversy for the National Anthem comes in, because I believe that if it was, and again, I don't want to reveal too much for our listeners, but I believe that if Paul Simon, for instance, whom whom I love, or James Taylor, or Bob Dylan, would have done the National Anthem in their way, I don't know that it would have spurred the type of uh, backlash that that Jose Feliciano got with that name, you know, especially during that that time period in the '60s. So, I think a lot of that had to do with sort of you know his Latinoism, I guess, his uh, Hispanic heritage, and uh, I think that had a lot had a lot to do with the Motown issue, and also egos. You know, we know that the, the entertainment business is filled with those, and uh, I think he was a, a victim of that.
0: I, I totally agree with you, it's, especially, you know, as, during a part of that whole. Scene, uh, hear the his version of a Jackie Wilson song in the background, and just hear how beautiful his rendition of this song is, and yeah. I was yeah, like, I love oh.
1: What, what people don't realize, I think, about Jose is his ability to take music, not just do a cover song. We've heard cover songs, mm-hmm. but he takes a song and sort of because of all of his influences that he's put into his own musical style, and a lot of it, interestingly enough, which comes out of the doc, completely by accident because of you know being poor and being handed a certain type of guitar, and that's all the only guitar he could, he, uh, he could get his hands on, developed a style based on... The guitars he had in his hands and the music he was listening to, which weren't congruent, right? They weren't. <laughs> they weren't normally what you would do, but because of that, he develops his style, and because of his background and his heritage, he takes an amalgam of different influences, and that's what you hear in his music. So when he covers a song, it's not just a, a cover song. It sounds like the original, but with somebody else singing it, or they slow it down, or they speed it up. It's a it's a completely reimagined version, and I think that's what's made Jose special. As a, as a musical interpreter, even more so than a musical, you know, someone who covers other people's music. Because, you know, people go, oh, maybe he didn't write all his songs. Well, neither did Sinatra, and neither did a lot of people. <laughs> but the fact is, he takes it and does it in a way that is so uniquely his that it does seem like it's the Jose Feliciano song, even though you may have heard the original one six months ago in, in the case of Light My Fire, for instance.
0: Just further speak of uh, the, the, the Light My Fire album, I... Can you go into some details about how, again, you don't want to tell too much, but I was very surprised that it almost got erased by the top guys and gals at RCA. Yeah,
1: Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Uh, Uh, Sometimes we we give a little too much credence to the people who are at the top. We we think they're the creatives, but they're really not. Uh, You know, you've got an artist who was doing sort of, uh, you know, an act at the time of cover songs. And his version, like I just said, his versions of those songs were very, very unique. And when you can't put someone in a type or in in some sort of, you know, uh, label, it it makes people very squirmy because, you know, if you think about the way things work in our entertainment business, whether it be film, uh, TV, or music, you know, a a song is hot or a style of music is hot or a film is hot, and then you've got seven films that come out that are all that genre, right? You have – Seven albums that come out that all kind of sound like that song because the powers that be say, uh, well, if they made money on that, we could make money this way. And they copycat it, (laughs) right? Well, at the time, what was going on in the sixties was not, you know, they, they had pigeonholed Jose in a certain way. They didn't want to hear his guitar. They just wanted to hear him singing. And he was a, you know, he's an amazing guitar player. So his producer at the time, Rick Gerard, really pushed for Jose to sound like Jose sounds live, and he tried to basically make an album that represented what Jose was, and they didn't like it. Of course, unfortunately, the uh, audience did for them, and or fortunately, uh, and it got out, and it became what it became, and he won two Grammys off that album. So, first Latino to ever win uh, Best Best New Artist,
0: and obviously, uh, the Doors uh, group were very pleased because since they originally opposed. Yeah. Of course.
1: So imagine a band out of you know California has a hit, a big hit in the states, but then you've got a a cat who comes around and takes that song to 500 million people across the world. So of course, they, it it made that song sort of it gave it a life that you know it'll never it'll never stop. There's just those types of songs that if they're done the right way, become a sort of part of our you know lexicon, our catalog in our mind, and anybody that sort of in the last 40, 50 years grew up with that sound and they're never going to not have that song you know in their in their head
0: did the doors and Jose ever work together perform together at any time
1: strangely enough they didn't you know at that, at those times you know it's interesting <laughs> nowadays right you have 20 artists that write one song for, for an artist and you never hear about the the who the writers were back then Artists were borrowing songs from other artists. So you knew who the originators were, but it's interesting that they never really collaborated because it really became his own. Uh, even though Robbie Krieger, uh, of The Doors, you know, credits him, I think I put it in the film on a quote that credits him for bringing it to the masters, they, they just never did it together, which is interesting because they were very different versions too. It's not like it, it was an immediate, you know, uh, oh, this, this would work. They're a completely different versions. So yeah, they never did. It's strange, strange.
0: Very strange. Whose idea was it for Jose to originally to record the song?
1: That was Rick Gerard's. Um And it wasn't because it was a, an idea of, Ray. Jose was doing it in his act, right, in his live show. But when he told him that he was going to record it, Jose said, well, why would we do that? It was just a hit six months ago. You know, that doesn't make any sense. And Rick said, your, your version is so different that I think it would work. And boy, was he right. You know, and at that time, Rick was a big producer. He had done Harry Nielsen and uh, Jefferson Airplane, and, uh, you know, he was, he's, a, he's a big dude, so you trust, you know, you trust his word, and, and Jose did, and it, it uh, changed his career, or it gave him a career, I should say.
0: Totally, and the song is still, to this day, it holds, of course, different generations, still a classic song, still to this Oh, generation. it's magic. Magic.
1: His version of Light My Fire and his version of California Dreamin', which was just on the, mm-hmm. uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, soundtrack, uh, which Quentin Tarantino loved. Those two versions of those songs, knowing that they, knowing the, the originators so well, I mean, everybody knows the Mama's and the Papa's version, everybody knows the Doors version of Up, Light My Fire, the Jose's version, they're really, it's, you're hard pressed to not think, man, that's, that's the better version. As a matter of fact, uh, John Lennon called Jose's version of In My Life Better than the Beatles Which is amazing that's to think amazing.
0: about uh, yeah. That is totally amazing Well, let's go back in time a little bit more here Of course, you know, the, the whole 1968 National Anthem Controversy yeah. That's another episode uh, I shouldn't say episode Era in his life That really brought me to tears The after effects of that but yeah, yeah, people like Jimi Hendrix and, and other musicians, they were on his, on Jose's side.
1: For, for, of course. Yeah. Of course they were, yeah, because any artist wants the ability to be creative, right, and express themselves, and, and what better song, if you think about it now, it's, it's a joke to think about, like to laugh about it, but back then, you know, the National Anthem was a very sort of, I mean, it still is, it's very sacred and very revered, but What better way to express your patriotism than to put your creativity into the national anthem? And now we accept it, but if it wasn't for Jose, and if you you remember, Jimi Hendrix a year later did his version in 69, obviously, famously Mm -hmm. at Woodstock. But if it wasn't for Jose breaking that uh, feeling um, and taking the heat for it, mind you, which ironically is what catapulted him into worldwide success, because if it wasn't for that, he probably would have stayed statewide more right after a Grammy winning album, put out another album here and done very well. But the fact that he got spot, his radio play stopped and he had to travel overseas to have a career, uh, really made him huge in London and in Germany and, you know, the other parts of Europe and Asia. So I think, you know, hindsight, right. You think in the moment, this is the worst thing that's happened to me. But 50 years later, uh, when he's back in Detroit doing the national anthem again, um, and being invited back, and after a career, a global career, you go, well, maybe not so bad that it happened, probably needed to happen, you know?
0: Yeah, the the post-effects of that, how long did uh, all the negativity last in his, you know, after this national anthem situation? Was it a year, two years, or how, how long?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was about two and a half years, I would say, because obviously he creates one of the biggest global hits to ever be, which is Feliz Navidad. And that again was a brainchild of Rick who said, you know, you should do a Christmas song. And they didn't want to do it. And he wrote it in no time at all uh, and created this song that was undeniable. And all of a sudden now they couldn't not, they could not claim on the radio. And so by 70, late, late 1970, he's back being played on the radio. And then, you know, in 71, he had a international hit, uh, out of Italy and he did it in three languages and that kind of put him back, put him back on the map, but it was a good two years, which for an artist, right, who's just won a Grammy, that's a long time. It is. I mean, we had artists complaining about the pandemic, not being able to play live. Imagine for two years not being able to, you know, capitalize on your success and not get any, any bookings or airtime. I mean, that's, that could be death for many artists, but uh, again, he didn't let it stop him. So. Another obstacle that he overcame.
0: Yes, I was so glad to skip. I didn't skip over it. I just hated to see that because I'm very soft-hearted. I'm a an little and But then, you sure. know, as the film progressed, I, I got through it. And, of course, we know it has yeah. a good ending, but I just hate to... Be that but he's such yeah. a fighter and he's so talented oh my goodness yeah um, yeah well to, to the whole national anthem incident I understand that the guitar that he used uh, at the time has been donated to the Smithsonian tell us about that yeah they uh, they brought him
1: in for uh, I guess they call it natural naturalization flag day at the Smithsonian and uh, they invited Jose to be basically it's a it's a very big honor uh, to be part of that and uh, be in the archive and he donated uh, what he called his uh, first girlfriend uh, the <laughs> guitar that sort of you know uh, he started his career with a uh, fifty year career uh, at the time and yeah so now it's in the Smithsonian and he, they did a wonderful ceremony there and he got to sing the national anthem at the Smithsonian which was a which was a wonderful event um, it, a great honor and to think. You know the reason he's he's there is because of this huge controversy that supposedly, you know, uh, shocked the entire United States and they wanted to deport him even though they can't <laughs> because of the fact that he's American. But you know, just it just goes to show you how uh, how evolution, you know, and the years go by and we you know maybe we get a little smarter in some ways we don't, but uh, we start to understand you know maybe that the error of our ways as we go as we go forward. So it was a nice comeuppance for him and a nice way to sort of uh put a put a, a bow on that and say, Okay, it was worth something, you know, it was worth it.
0: Absolutely was. Well now, um Another era in his life that you mentioned, uh, not mentioned, but is brought out in the film, is Jose's success in filming, uh, not films, uh, scoring, I'm trying to say, film and television scores. Yeah. D- tell us about the, the, the Jose Quincy Jones connection.
1: Sure. Interesting, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah. He, Quincy, which, again, back then, I think I'm actually the one that does it in the film. Uh, back then, you know, it was a, r- a rarity for pop artists to be involved in that, Like right? And we can all remember Chuck Mangione and all those sort of great scenes from the 70s. But it was rare for a pop artist to to do a, a TV scene. And, and, and Jose teams up with Quincy. Quincy asks him to work on this, uh, you know, this movie called McKenna's Gold. And uh, he he does this song with Quincy called Old Turkey Buzzard. Now, you, you would think it's just a non, you know, just a non-song that's going to be part of this movie, but it became a, a, a hit uh, overseas. I think they, they were nominated for the Grammy for the album. And, you know, what a, what a collaboration. And we're talking Quincy at the beginning, you know, near the beginning when Quincy was still basically conducting orchestra at the time. This was way before Michael Jackson and the whole, you know, famed uh, sort of career that he, that he had in the late 70s into the 80s. But, you know, what a, what a collaboration. And to have Ho- Jose on it was just sort of like, you know, it just shows you how, how hot Jose was at that time that Quincy would reach out to, to a pop artist, a Latino pop artist, to be part of a a Western album, yeah. you know, just interesting stuff, very interesting stuff. And then, of course, you know, you go on in 74, I believe. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, uh, I'm i 50, and I grew up in music, and even before I met Jose, the song I knew him for was Not Light my, my Fire, and even though I knew Feliz Navidad, I actually didn't even know he sang that song, I knew him for Chico and the Man, yeah. because I used to watch the show, and his name would appear, you know, theme song by Jose Feliciano, and I loved that song so much. So when I first got to work with him, that's how I knew Jose. And, of course, that song meant so much, talk about the Latino community in the, in the United States, that, that, that show with Freddie Prince uh, was the show, right? It was a Latino and trying to make it in America uh, with the American, you know, uh, body shop uh, owner there. And that was a lovely show, I think it's five seasons. Um, but, yeah, Jose's theme song was the, the, that show. I mean, you can't think of that show without
0: the song. Oh, no, I'm, I can hear the song in my head right now as you're speaking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it could have been a top ten hit on its own. It's just-
1: oh, no doubt. No doubt. As a matter of fact, when I started working with Jose, one of the things I, I made sure, because I kind of became—I don't want to, you know—I don't want to overstep what I was, but I—I kind of helped, sort of as a de facto music director for a little while, because I was creating the live show. And I remember sitting down with him and creating the, the song list. And I said, "You've got to be Chico on the Man' as a closer. Like that's your closer. It's a great song, and uh, it really is. It's the, the, the rhythm that he creates, and the, what he does with his guitar there. It's so quintessential Jose."
0: Um, it's one of my favorites, I have to say. It really is. It's it's just, like I said, every, it seems like every decade of his life after he uh, became a professional musician has been just blessed with awards, accolades, hits, um, yeah. 45 gold and platinum albums, Grammy Awards, Latin Grammys, all, countless of international awards, but yet, He's not been nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is that correct? What's going on?
1: Incredible, incredible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. You know, you would you would think, and and there have been, you know, because it depends on how you think of Jose. Um, it depends who's nominating, right? Because in some circles he's a folk artist, in some circles he's a Latino. <laughs> it just depends who's who's looking at him, and he's got such a, a variety and. and Again, I know. Interestingly enough, I don't touch upon it in the movie because you can only do so much in 90 minutes. But you know his 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 electric guitar playing. I mean Santana. The reason uh, Carlos was involved in the movie and and became an exec producer as well, Santana looks at Jose as a a, you know guitar god, and he's a big influence on him. And even though they came out similar similar times, uh, you know he reveres Jose, and Jose's electric guitar playing is incredible. So he's also a blues and rock artist. So I just don't think the people nominating realized scope of his career. And maybe when they watched the goal, really for, for us was when they watched this film by the end, which is, if you notice at the end, we have Rudy Perez, mm-hmm. who's obviously a huge producer of, of the decade for billboard and for the, for everything for Latin music. And, and then Carlos both say that, you know, he needs to be in the hall of fame and, and he, he should be, he's, there are there are other quote unquote folk artists in the Hall of Fame and the fact that he's not on there, uh, you know, based on the just three or four songs alone is uh, is a shame. And I think I think it's gonna change though. I really do. I believe when this movie comes out and everybody watches it you're gonna kinda get the uh the scope of what he he, he accomplished and maybe uh he'll get a little bit more uh I mean, a little a little bit more respect, hopefully.
0: Well, how, what does Jose think about not uh, yet being nominated? Is, is he hurt? Is he disappointed? Or what is he, or has he said anything?
1: Well, I think, you know, look, as artists, we all want accolades, right? Like we do the art for the audience, and we want to be recognized for it. But at the end of the day, we also are, in a way, selfish, right? We're artists because we love what we do, and we would be doing it no matter what. You know, and Jose, and I used to talk about this on Plane Ride, like, he gives the same performance to 10 people that he gives to 10,000, and we did 10,000 in South Korea, believe it or not, so he's, he's that guy, he just does it for the love, and I think, does it bother him? Sure. Is he losing sleep over it? No, but I think any artist who's had the, put in the time, and even at his age now, still touring, um... You know, I think of course, who wouldn't want to be recognized at that level? And I think he should be. You
0: know, he's earned it. Definitely earned it. And the longevity of his career alone uh, is with so much success. Uh, he's now in sure. his what mid late 70s. Yeah, 77 now.
1: Yeah. 77.
0: Yeah. So he, you said he's still touring and performing.
1: Still performing. Yeah. We. We've, we. We've, uh, as a matter of fact, he's getting. Uh, Getting an award at the Latin Billboard's next uh, next week. He is going to be uh, the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame is inducting Feliz Navidad, as the song of, of I think I think the, the greatest song ever kind of thing. <laughs> he's getting that award, and he's he's just been honored by the Roberto Clemente uh, Day at the Mets Stadium in New York uh, just this week. He is, uh he's pretty active and he's still performing all over the place. Yeah, if you go to his website you'll see he's got tour dates all the time and, and he still gives a great show and he just loved it. You know, he doesn't wanna he's told us many times, I don't wanna be sitting at home. He'd mm-hmm. rather be on that stage with his guitar. And uh yeah, he's still still kicking it. Uh, he's doing doing really well. And he's got a new album coming out. Oh, uh okay. called Yeah, called Love and Christmas, which I'm I'm uh fortunate enough to be working with his label, um, which Alan Murphy, by the way, is the CEO of, uh, my partner on the film, and uh, we launching a new, new album with him called Love at Christmas, which is coming out uh, this December, and we're starting to release singles actually uh, in the coming weeks, so it's uh, very exciting. Some really great music from him and a new Christmas song uh, called Viva la Navidad is coming out. Uh, he's got a, a great new Latin-inspired um, kind of fancy kind of song. that I think you'll but We'll love, and of course he's got some classic Jose acoustics, some reimagined, I don't want to give it all away, but there's a reimagined uh, Michael Jackson song on there that he does, believe it or not, um, a ballad. And, uh, yeah, he's still still very, very active.
0: Goodness. Um, I gotta give it up to him. Yeah. It sounds like he's just, is more busy now than he was 30, 40 years ago. My goodness, that's a lot of work. Gosh.
1: Well, you know, it's 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 when you're when you have the breadth of career that he's had, you know, there's an opportunity that comes to you that maybe don't come to you when you're a younger artist, right? Yes. You know, so he's uh, he just takes takes everything that he, he, he can because he wants to and he's got the energy for it and he loves it. He just truly loves it. When he's on on tour, there's no happier time for him. Um, you know, he just loves it.
0: And finally, uh, does the film again? The film is Jose Feliciano. Behind this guitar. Does it have its own website or, or what?
1: Yes. Yes. If you go to movie.com that's the uh, the movie website. Um, and obviously, you can go to his website, com for all of his tour dates and when his album is going to be released. And, and it's going
0: to be released on Anthem Records.
1: Um, uh, coming very, very soon. Uh, very exciting stuff.
0: Very exciting. And lastly... Tell us one more time about uh, where the film is going to be released and streamed uh, at the end of uh, September.
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, So at the end of September 29th, to be exact, it will be released on the Telemundo Plus Network and the Peacock Network. So you'll be able to see them. uh, They're they're, they're conjoined, sort of. T-Plus will be on the Peacock platform, but it will be shown on on both those streaming uh, services. So you can catch it there September 29th.
0: Jose is so deserving to have this film and uh, all of this huge triple-digit millions, I know, audience that's going to see it, and I know they're going to just love it as much as I did. I could not wait for the sun to come up this morning so I could talk to you about this film. Uh, I
1: appreciate it. I really appreciate it. We we loved making it, and it was was definitely a labor of love and and years of work, and We're so happy that it's uh, finally getting
0: out. Well, you guys did a wonderful job. So thank you so very much, and um, I think I'll go play it and watch it again while I'm drinking coffee here.
1: (laughs) Yes, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, take care, and hopefully I'll talk to you in your next project.
1: You got it. Thanks so much.
0: Bye-bye.